Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, Talking in the Dark. What do you do when the letter, the phone call, the knock on the door comes and everything in your life is changed in an instant? What do you do when the storm hits? Join us for the message, Praying When Life Suddenly Changes. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church of Duncanville, Texas. What do we do when the letter or the phone call or the knock on the door comes and everything in our lives is changed in an instance? So what do we do when the storm hits? We'll be talking about that just a little bit later in our message today. I want to invite all of you to, if you have not done so already, to make a offering to the ministry of this church. You can do that through our website, tumcd.org, on our church center app, or you can just mail a check to the church. We'll always be happy to take money in the old-fashioned way. I checked with Jane to make sure she is feeling well. She is. This uh, scripture is uncharacteristically brief. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, beginning in the 23rd verse. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went, up, they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The word of God for the people of God. Among Jesus' inner group of disciples, there were four professional fishermen, Peter and Andrew, James and John. And these two sets of brothers had been sailing the Sea of Galilee all their lives. They knew every cove and hamlet in this great inland lake, they knew where you were most likely to catch the largest haul of fish. They knew the places where the plant growth just underneath the water made travel difficult or even dangerous. They knew how to, how to read the sky and predict what the day's weather was going to bring. They were expert boat pilots. If there was any kind of problem, they had the experience to handle it. If it became dark, they were so familiar with the lake that they could still find their way to shore. If it was windy, they knew how to position the sail. If it was raining, well, they just kept on working. And over the years, they'd seen plenty of storms, and they were not phased by just a little bit of weather. Well, that's one of the things that makes the gospel story of Jesus stilling the storm so amazing. It must have been a particularly vicious storm if four professional fishermen were unable to maintain control of the boat. It must have also come up very swiftly. Fishermen were very attuned to the signs of the sky and even to like the feel of the, of the air. And they could usually sense when a storm was brewing and this one, well, this one seemed to catch them totally off guard. Well, notice that they did not wake up Jesus right away. They must have thought they could handle it. After all, they had certainly coped with storms on the lake before, but this storm was fierce and the boat was just getting out of control. It was taking on water faster than they could bail it out, and they were sinking. Lord, save us. We are perishing. 
they exclaimed as they shook Jesus awake. Now, I've always wondered how if the boat was thrashing just as much as it must have been, how could Jesus have been asleep? And yet he was sleeping during the storm. And when they awakened him, he got up and rebuked the sea and the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was calm. And he turned to them and said, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Now, in my mind, as I picture this, at this point, I see that the disciples just stop and and stare at Jesus. If they had been afraid of the storm, now they are experiencing fear for a whole different reason. What sort of man was this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who indeed? The storm came out of nowhere and took these experienced fishermen completely by surprise. When they felt overwhelmed, however, they turned to Jesus and Jesus calmed the storm. And likewise, when we are hit by the unexpected, when life throws us a curveball, when we receive that news that changes everything, Jesus is there for us in the storms of life. Now all of us at one time or another, and probably more than once in our lives, we're going to find ourselves just blindsided by life. One day you're blissfully happy, the next day you're in the depths of despair. In the morning all is carefree, by the evening you feel all hope seems gone. You're going about just your daily activities and then The letter or the phone call or the knock on the door comes and everything in your life is changed in an instant. For me, I went for a walk around the neighborhood surrounding my family's hotel where we were staying in Vienna, Austria. I was trying to scope out a restaurant uh, to make dinner reservations for the whole family for later. And when I got back to the hotel, I found out that in the time that I was gone, which was not that long. My mother had suffered a massive stroke and my family would never be the same again. I shared the story last week about how my mother had a severe and debilitating stroke while we were all on a family vacation in Vienna, Austria. And it was a very traumatic experience, not only, no doubt, for my mother, but also for my father. And I can tell you each and every one of her children and grandchildren. When life suddenly changes, prayer is one of the things that can be most helpful to us. But for that to be true, we need to keep a few things in mind. First of all, the ability of prayer to be a resource for us in that moment of change and in the days that follow is often proportional to the time we have spent building up our spiritual reserves ahead of time. Or in other words, Already having a vital, personal, spiritual life ahead of time means that we have built up these spiritual resources and built up the spiritual grace that can see us through when our lives suddenly change. A major reason that my mother survived for over five years after such a devastating stroke is because otherwise she was in excellent health for a woman her age. Her stroke was caused by a previously undiagnosed heart arrhythmia and was not the result of poor health choices. Prior to the stroke, she ate right, she exercised, took her medication, followed her doctor's advice. 
So this enabled her to survive a stroke that would have killed most other people. Now, whether her surviving the stroke was a blessing or not is another matter, but taking care of herself physically prepared her to meet the physical challenges presented by her stroke. In the same way, taking care of ourselves spiritually can prevent a tragedy from completely pulling us under. If we're already in the habit of regular prayer, it'll be easier to pray when we're under duress. I read recently in a book on leadership that when we are under duress, we don't rise to the occasion. More commonly, we revert to our training. So if we prayed a lot ahead of time, we'll find it easier to pray at that particular time. Now, if a relationship with God is something that we have regularly nurtured through prayer and scripture study and worship and Christian fellowship, then the strength of that relationship will keep our head above water when the dams of life break. Second thing to remember, keep yourself open to new waves of grace that can wash over us in those moments of sudden change because Christ is going to be there to walk beside us. We're all familiar with those very famous words from the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And we find the good shepherd is not only beside us as we enter into that dark valley, but the shepherd is right there with us in the middle of the valley, leading and guiding us until we get all the way to the other side. As we find in that very famous poem, Footprints, how it reminds us that sometimes that good shepherd does not necessarily walk beside us because sometimes the good shepherd is carrying us in his bosom. Even as we go through tough times, we'll be able to grow in Christ and new spiritual insights will be available to us and fresh waves of grace will keep us from just succumbing to hopelessness. As I said last week, I think the most frustrating aspect of my mother's stroke for my mother was that it took away her ability, most of her ability to speak. And she was unable to tell us what she was feeling or what she was thinking. Oftentimes she couldn't even tell us the most rudimentary details of what she even wanted to have for lunch. But one of my sister's friends made an observation that was helpful to us, that we then had no idea what kind of conversations with God that my mother might be having internally. And I choose to believe that the the conversations my mother was having with God were rich and that God was available to her and strengthening her as she was going through that dark valley. Third thing to remember. Be open to new blessings that can be found in the new circumstances. There might be some friendships that wither, but there's going to be other relationships that will unexpectedly deepen and grow. Steve Harper, the author of the book Talking in the Dark that this sermon series is based on, has this to say. Something happens when life suddenly changes. Life looks different than it used to. Values change, conversations change, perspectives shift. We use our time differently. People become more precious to us than possessions. Ordinary moments become charged with significance and with the energy 
of eternity. Prayer weaves its way into this tapestry, creating moments of reflection and gratitude. Prayer becomes a spiritual Velcro to which other things stick. What seems to be a loss on one level gets transformed into gain on another level. Prayer enables us to see every moment as a gift and as an occasion to cherish. And finally, prayer takes us to the place where we are healed of our need to be healed. Now this does not mean that we still do not avail ourselves to all that medical science has to offer. It just means that when a physical cure is no longer possible, God continues to offer emotional and spiritual healing. God's grace enables us to find a meaningful death because we know that physical death is not the end of the story nor the end of our lives with God. Rather, it puts us in a position of being able to be raised to new life in Christ. One of the things that I've sometimes told people who uh, say they have a, a loved one that's in hospice, death does not end our relationship with our loved ones. It changes our relationship, but it doesn't end our relationships. Our relationship with our loved ones will go on even after death, even if it's in a different way than we would have preferred, but it still holds. Several years ago, I had a spiritual epiphany. God showed me that the spiritual journeys of our lives are really just one long process of letting go. We gradually, over a lifetime, let go of all our childish ways, old resentments, old addictions, old arguments. We let go of our need to control, our need to appear successful, our need for approval. One by one, we let go of those that we love as they go before us. And in the end, we let go of physical life itself. Over a lifetime, prayer enables us to loosen our grip on this life so that we can take hold of the hand of God and be ushered into a new life. As Paul wrote in his, letter to this, uh, his second letter to the Corinthians, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. At the end of things, when God is all we have left, then we discover that God is all that we need. We discover that not only will everything be okay, everything is already okay. William Barclay was a very well-known 20th century theologian and a New Testament scholar uh, from the Church of Scotland. And he considered it his life's goal to make New Testament scholarship available to the average layperson. If you've taken... Um, the first part of uh, Disciple Bible Study. His books are often part of the reading that they recommend uh, if you're gonna be part of Disciple. And among the many books he wrote during the 70s, he wrote a series of New Testament commentaries designed for the laity entitled The Daily Study Bible Series. And over 40 years later, this series of commentaries is still in print and it's still popular. Just a few years ago, they, it came out on a brand new edition. And as part of his quest to bring the knowledge of the Bible to the laity, he frequently appeared on radio and television. 
And one day someone called in to one of Barclay's radio broadcasts and asked him if he really believed that Jesus had calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And Barclay replied, before I answer that question, let me tell you something even more important. He began to tell the story of how his daughter had fallen in love with a marvelous young man that the Barclays just adored. The young man proposed and the Barclays began wedding preparations for the big day. And they were pulling out all the stops, including a huge rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding at a restaurant that was beside a beautiful lake. After the rehearsal, the wedding party left in their cars to go to the restaurant, but the bride and groom thought it would be very romantic to row across the lake together and arrive at their rehearsal dinner by boat. The guests waited expectantly for the bride and groom to appear, but a sudden and unexpected freak storm blew out over the lake, and the Barclays' daughter and her fiancé never arrived. The storm had capsized their little rowboat, and the young couple had drowned. Instead of attending their daughter's wedding, they attended her funeral. After Dr. Barclay finished the story, he went on to say, My dear caller, the most important question is not whether Jesus calmed the storm on the sea 2,000 years ago. The most important question is whether he can calm the storms in our lives today. And I'm here to tell you that he can. I believe that Jesus calmed storms then and that he calms storms now. Now, he may not always calm them in the manner that we expect or the manner that we would choose, but calm them he does. Christians throughout history have been witness to this. And one of those witnesses was the, was the 14th century mystic and one of the few female theologians recognized by the church prior to the modern era named Julian of Norwich. And Julian lived by herself in a cell inside a convent where she was the first woman to ever write a book in the English language. And her only companion in her cell was her beloved cat, which is another reason I like her. And in artwork of Julian, she's usually depicted with having a little cat by her side. And writing during the height of the plagues of black death that just rattled medieval Europe, she wrote, if there is anywhere on earth a lover of God who is always kept safe, I know nothing of it, for it was not shown to me, but this was shown, that in falling and rising again, we are always kept in that same precious love. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Now, if God's goodness and grace can be known even in the midst of black plague, a plague, by the way, far worse than anything COVID has thrown up at us, then God's goodness and grace can be known to us as we navigate the storms of life. Amen. I did suggest last, uh, last week that one of the things you might want to do to think about, you know, uh, getting your prayer life back on track I always think it's a great thing sometimes to spend some time just praying through the Psalms. Um, there is not a human emotion that you cannot find somewhere in the book of Psalms, particularly some, some really dark ones. Um, if, if you've ever been embarrassed or ashamed of having a bad thought, even if you didn't act on it, 
I mean, read the book of Psalms, and you'll find that God wants to hear everything. God wants you to pray even about the bad thoughts, because there's nothing that God hadn't heard already. And there's the, the worst of human thoughts are already in the book of Psalms. So I would recommend praying the Psalms if you're just kind of looking for a way to, uh, to spice up your prayer life. And so today, I wanted us, since I mentioned it in my sermon, for us to lift up the 23rd Psalm that we all know, and to lift it up, though, as a prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anointeth my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And now let us, uh, with the confidence we have as the children of God, pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now receive this benediction. May the good shepherd comfort and guide you as you walk through the valley of shadow of death. And may you be a beacon in that valley for others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue our sermon series, Talking in the Dark. You'll find audio recordings of all our services on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, we're now worshiping both in person in our sanctuary as well as online. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.